Star Wars 7x7 episode 1421 today. First of two episodes talking about Solo, a Star Wars story. This one is the non-spoiler reactions to the film. And let's just dive right in. Punch it, Chewie. Hi, I'm Ken Premillard, illustrator of the Star Wars Incredible Cross-Sections books. You're listening to Star Wars 7x7, the only daily Star Wars podcast. Hey, Rebel Rouser. I'm Alan Voivod, and this is Star Wars 7x7. And so, here we are. It's official. Solo is out there for everyone to enjoy. And I just got back from checking it out with a couple of dozen of our friends locally here in our little hamlet in central New Hampshire. And this is the non-spoiler version of the podcast, so you're not going to hear anything that you don't want to hear if for some reason that... You've decided you're not going on Thursday night to see the movie. Hey, not everybody does. Not everybody likes to, and that's totally cool. So what I'm going to tell you here, at least, is all the non-spoilery stuff that comes from my first reactions and the reactions of the folks around me. And then we'll do a separate podcast that goes into spoiler stuff and all that good stuff. But the first thing I want to share with you, one of my seven takeaways from the Solo A Star Wars Story premiere is that there's something that we never really talked about with Larry Kasdan, and that's the fact that as far as his scripts go, he likes to write scripts that move, that just move. Famously, he said that The Force Awakens moves like a son of a gun, though he didn't say that exact phrase. And that, that absolutely was the case. And so when you try to analyze it in terms of, say, plot holes or anything like that, well, it's got so much narrative drive that you don't even think about it. Well, Solo, A Star Wars Story certainly bears a lot of resemblance to Kasdan's regular method of working in that regard. It is fast, fast, fast. And it is a a thrill ride to say the least it is absolutely exhilarating to experience quite honestly and in fact the second takeaway has to do with how the folks were reacting around me all the folks that came with now it was a spectrum of fans in terms of you know some of them are like well you know star wars i like it's all right whatever you know i could take it or leave it to some who are really excited about it to even one person in our group who had never sat through a Star Wars movie in its entirety. And so tonight was a first for her. So that was rather remarkable, rather remarkable, I should say, to be a part of. Anyway, once the end credits rolled, uh, the youngest set, the elementary school set, like, turned to me and said, they have to make another one of these movies now. Like, was so thrilled with it that he wanted to see the next iteration of what a Han and Chewie movie would be. The teenage set, was a little bit cooler about it, not necessarily as emotive about it, but did say that the train sequence is the sickest action sequence that they'd ever seen. And this is a group of kids who watch the Marvel movies, watch the DC movies, watch all the action movies, but the train sequence, coolest thing that they had seen on screen. I mean, that's saying something, I really think. Brainstormer Lonnie, who saw it with me, and... Uh, you know, if you don't know from Brainstormer Lonnie, that would be, of course, my wife and business partner. Well, she laughed throughout the whole movie, enjoyed the heck out of it. It was a great time for her. She's not nearly as deeply invested in Star Wars that I as I am. So the fact that she enjoyed herself and had a grand old time, well, I think that says something, too. 
And building on that, it kind of rolls into my third takeaway from seeing Solo. And I've started reading the online reviews. I hadn't been reading them because I just, you know, didn't want to run across something that I didn't want to yet run across. And I'm keeping that in mind as I'm doing this episode too, so don't worry. But the words that I saw being used to describe Solo and particularly the script by the Kasdans and Ron Howard's direction were very... Bland, I guess you would say. Solid, competent, unremarkable. Those kind of almost backhanded compliments, right? You know, just like, oh yeah, you know, they did a good job, but, you know, it wasn't really anything special. It was just, you know, yeah, yeoman's work and and that's it. So the other thing too, also not exactly deep or not, you know, philosophically deep or anything like that. Well, for God's sake, you know, why can't we have a Star Wars movie that isn't super deep, all right? I mean, I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's a, a problem at all. In fact, it was a fun ride. And, you know, why not have a fun ride? The Last Jedi was pretty heavy. I mean, it had its humorous moments, but, oh man, you know, it also had a lot of deep and heavy moments, too. Why can't we just have some fun with the Star Wars movie also? And this one was just wall-to-wall fun. It really was. And some of the reviewers almost talk about it like it's a bad thing that that's the case. Well, mm, not so much. And, you know, it's funny. I've seen headlines that say that it's the best-reviewed Star Wars movie since The Last Jedi, which is hysterical because the last-reviewed movie was The Last Jedi. And also headlines saying that it's the worst-reviewed movie since the prequels. Well, you know what? I think it's time to say with movie critics, like, eh, you know, all right, movie critics, let it go, okay? And that actually rolls into the fourth thing, the fourth takeaway that I want to share with you, which is this. So there were some complaints about, well, you know, why do we need this movie anyway? Like, do we really care about who Han Solo is as a young man before we see him in Star Wars in Moss Eisley's Cantina. I mean, he was so compelling when you see him. He's a real Bogart type when he's sitting there and dealing with Chewie and Luke and Ben and then Greedo and all this stuff. And we don't need to demystify him or anything like that. Well, you know what? It's really funny because Every critic who cites Humphrey Bogart as an inspiration for Han Solo's character and draws a line from Bogart to Han Solo, well, they all seem to be forgetting the fact that in the best movie of all time, or at least, you know, what is often referred to as the best movie of all time, Casablanca, starring Humphrey Bogart, there are backstory scenes, there are flashback scenes where you get to see young Humphrey Bogart with young Ingrid Bergman, and you see how he became disillusioned. You see how they fell apart. And so how can you complain about the, you know, the things that Solo decides to say, like A.O. Scott from the New York Times says it's like a filmed Wikipedia page, which is just awful. Like, what an awful thing to say. I mean, his right to say it, okay? But, you know, how can you say that when you also say something about, hey, you know, Bogart, Solo, Casablanca, Young, Han Solo, no. You know, it doesn't work. Actually, it is Ineo Scott that drew the Bogart thing, but there were other critics who mentioned that. I'm like, this is just not fair. It's just not fair. All right, let's move on from that. Let's talk about Han Solo himself, Alden Ehrenreich. And our fifth top takeaway here, he did a fantastic job, but if you're trying to draw a line from Alden Ehrenreich to Harrison Ford, well, it's not really a line you can draw. And it's not really fair to do that to Alden Ehrenreich either. I mean, you know, 
how many people are trying to draw a line from Sean Connery to Roger Moore to George Lazenby to Timothy Dalton to Pierce Brosnan to Daniel Craig? Like, you just, it can't be done. It cannot be done. And for those of you who are unaware, that's James Bond, right? And it's just not a, not a, an apples to apples comparison. It is really an apples to oranges situation. So, you can't bag on Alden Ehrenreich because he is not supposed to be a young Harrison Ford. He is supposed to be a young Han Solo as best he can be delivered. And he's supposed to be delivered by the story that's being told, which delivers it very well. And Alden does a great job with it. I was very pleased. I never thought he felt forced. And in fact, a couple of the lines that were in trailers and teasers and commercials and whatnot that didn't make it into the movie, it turns out those were some of the scenes that when I saw them, I thought, oh, okay, yeah, maybe the delivery could have been better on a couple of those, but those happened to be the ones that didn't make it in the movie. So that was really awesome. And then Donald Glover. So <laughs> that's our sixth top takeaway. Does Donald Glover live up to the hype? And the answer is... Yes, absolutely, he does. Yes. And uh, I think Brainstormer Lonnie put, it, Lonnie put it this way, where she said, you know, like, his face just eats the camera. And <laughs> I thought that was a rather odd way of putting it, but rather amusing at the same time. Just that, like, she's just, ah, like, the camera just absolutely loves him, and he works with it really well. He owns the character of Lando without question, and so you can see why everybody is talking about the possibility of getting a Lando movie or just saying that they want a Lando movie. Like, oh, please, please, please let there be a Lando movie. He does a terrific job with the character. And you can probably draw a clearer line from Donald Glover to Billy Dee Williams. And so maybe, you know, when you look at the comparison of Donald Glover to Billy Dee versus Alden Ehrenreich to Harrison Ford, it's kind of hard to see. I mean, yeah, I guess you can... Make a fair point there, but uh, again, kind of apples to oranges in its way too. And the last thing, just a little thing, but it's just something that I kind of want to pat myself on the back for. Uh, a while ago, this would have been in December, I guess it would have been, when we were looking at the last Jedi Visual Dictionary, maybe it was in January of this year. So because of the way that Lucasfilm has done things, and in particular Pablo Hidalgo from Story Group, they have dropped a hint or two inside the Visual Dictionary and the Incredible Cross sections about movies that are coming out at a later point. And in this case, it happened again, and I called it. I was flagging for you the name of a planet that would be Savarine, S-A-V-A-R-E-E-N, and or Savarin. And there's mention of a Savarin Wisp card game that happens in the last jedi stuff and so maybe that could have been like oh that's the planet where they invented that card game or whatever but i was flagging for you to the possibility that that would be the name of a planet that showed up in solo a star wars story and guess what guess what i was right <laughs> so i'm very excited about that and because this is supposed to be non-spoiler, I won't tell you which planet is Saverin or Saverine. I can't even remember how to pronounce it. Only seen the movie once so far, so you know I've got a couple more to go, so I get those details hammered nicely into my head. Anyway, nice to be right and notice a pattern for once. That was a very cool thing. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we will do last Jedi trivia. Stay tuned. <laughs> 
Hey, Rebel Rouser. May the 4th is Star Wars Day, and it's also the date of our 1400th episode. So to celebrate all during the month of May, you can get the unofficial Star Wars The Force Awakens trivia book for just $7.77. That's whether you pay in dollars, pounds, or euros, just $7.77 at SW7X7.com slash TFA for the U.S. version of Amazon, or just search for the unofficial Force Awakens trivia book on any European version of Amazon. Welcome back. All right, so last time I asked you when Captain Kennedy said he should have launched the TIE Fighters to go after Poe, and he said five bloody minutes ago. And so today's question for you, how many of the turbo lasers are left before Poe has trouble with his weapon systems? And that will do it for today. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and may the Force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Thanks for listening to another episode of Star Wars 7x7. And hey, before you become a spy for the Jedi Council, check out SW7x7.com for show notes, links, photos, videos, and more. And if you want to join the inner circle of fans of the podcast, become a patron of the show at patreon.com SW7x7. It's not a night at the space opera, it's destiny unleashed. This podcast is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyright 2018 Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.